So today we have the joy of celebrating a baptism. If there is anything in worship that is more renewing and energizing than a baptism, I don't know what it is. When I was a youngish parent or parent of younger children, some amazing soul gave me a piece of invaluable advice. I don't remember who it was, but I have remembered what they told me. They said, if your children are out of sorts and nothing else will work, put them in water. <laughs> it is 100% true. Water changes us. Maybe it's because it's water that bathes us. Maybe it's because we are water more than anything else. Maybe it's because this blue marble we live on is mostly water. Whatever the reason, water renews us and in the church reminds us of who we are and whose we are. In baptism, we receive our first name or are reminded of our first name, Beloved. That is the name that we can never lose. And when we celebrate a baptism in the traditional baptismal liturgy or some forms of the traditional baptismal liturgy, right after the person is baptized, we pray a prayer that goes like this. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon this child, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence. I love that prayer, because who doesn't need wisdom and understanding and joy? In that prayer that we will pray a little bit later today, we hear some echoes, I think, of our passage from Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 29, and most of it is a prayer that Paul prays for the folks in Ephesus. He writes, Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is the reason that I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us believers. 
This power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. God's power was at work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and sat him at God's right side in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and angelic power, any power that might be named, not only now but in the future, God put everything under Christ's feet and made him head of everything in the church, which is his body. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. The word of God for the people of God. It's a little hard to follow. This is classic Paul, a lot of words, it feels like. But let's break it down, take it piece by piece. The first sentence is a little bit like Paul clearing his throat before he begins to pray. He says, you are people marked by love and faith. It's a pretty great thing to be known for. Y'all are like that. Did you know that? You are a people marked by faith and love. When I was first getting to know about this church in southwest Virginia called Blacksburg Presbyterian Church, which I had to find on a map, I got to talk with your interim pastor at the time, a man named Dave Kozad. And Dave told me all sorts of things about your church, things that made me fall in love. And we had a long lunch together while I was here visiting. What he said that grabbed me most, something he said right at the end. He said, of all the churches I've served, And Dave served a lot. This is the kindest church I've ever known. Y'all are a people marked by love that overflows. Whatever it is we're doing here as a church, it's not perfect and it never will be but it is marked by kindness, by love. And I give thanks for that. Then Paul says, that's why I pray for you. Why I am always praying for you. And that's the heart of this passage, his prayer for these people he loves and who love others so well. Just like in the baptismal prayer, Paul prays that the Ephesians would be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that God will enlighten the eyes of their hearts. I think we know what the eyes of our hearts 
are, even if that's not a phrase we use. It's not about 2020 vision or needing to use reading glasses. It's about the kind of vision that can look at an open field and see the shape of a house that could be built. It's the kind of vision that looks at our beloved, our dear friend, with all their faults and all their gifts, and loves them just as they are. That's what the eyes of the heart are. And we need those eyes to be open, to be enlightened, if we are going to see any measure of hope in this world. Paul prays that they'll see three things with the eyes of their heart. That they'll see hope, that they will see their inheritance, their history, and that they will see the help that is available in Christ. Paul prays that the Ephesians will see hope, that their lives will not be defeated by hopelessness. I struggle with that. It is so easy to feel despair, the state of our world and my own flaws. I need a different way of looking if I'm going to have hope. And Paul reminds us that that different way of looking can come from our history. There is so much in our culture and I think innate in us that fears there's not enough to go around. There are voices that say that if they whoever they may be, gets more, then I will have less. But that is not how kingdom math works. Our history is full of stories of abundance, particularly where people only saw scarcity and lack. Our inheritance is a God who makes a way out of no way. Whether that's for Hagar or Moses or Christ's disciples, that's our history. And so that's the root of our hope. God has always made a way out of no way before. We can stake our hope that God will continue to be God. And from that, Paul wants the people in Ephesus to know that there is help available in Christ. Power, as he puts it. It is so easy to think that God is not engaged and involved in our world. There are stories in the Bible of the waters being parted and walls coming tumbling down. 
And we look around, and the only walls tumbling down are abandoned buildings. And the waters aren't parting, they're rising. But Paul reminds us there is a power at work in Christ. It's not power the way the world thinks of it. It's Christ-like power, power of giving, power poured out in vulnerability and love. Paul prays that the Ephesians will be able to see this kind of power. And that does take eyes of the heart. It helps me enormously. In fact, I can't do it alone. It helps me so much to be in a community of faith, to see with the eyes of my heart. I struggled during the pandemic for that reason. My spiritual life struggled because I wasn't together hearing other people's stories of God's power at work. And that power looks like things like healing after a divorce or new love after deep grief, or faith that is deepened and strengthened, not in spite of, but through deep doubt. That is the kind of power that is at work in Christ. That is our hope, and that is our history. When we baptize we baptize into that hope, that history, and that help. We make promises together that we will tell those stories, that history of hope and help. We tell it for the person who's being baptized, and we tell it for ourselves, too. We need those reminders. So I pray for all of us, for all of you, you who are marked by kindness, that you would be given that hope, we would have that hope rooted in our history, and trusting in the help of Christ so that we can live boldly and as people of love. Amen.